Welcome back to the BDSM show. I'm Billy. I'm Devo. And we are still, after about a month, we're still talking sports and manliness. Uh, we're still glad that you guys are still listening, all uh, 23 of you. I can say 27. Uh, we'll go ahead and plug the social media right off the bat. Uh, on Twitter, it'll be at BDSM show. And on Facebook, it's facebook.com slash BDSM show. Uh, we're going to go ahead and jump into something that we touched on last week, uh, a certain, as Devin put it, budding rivalry, uh, the Rays and Red Sox. Uh, we had talked about them uh, for a certain extent last week, and then on Friday they hauled off and, and got a whole lot fancier this week. Um, <clears throat> in case you missed it, we'll set the stage for you. Um, in last year's playoff series uh david price choked on the big one in game two he's talking uh, about the game it, though when <laughs> when his team needed him the most he came out and threw a dud granted he went i think seven or eight innings gave up two bombs to david ortiz and apparently after the second home run he felt like david ortiz maybe lingered at the plate a little too long and uh you know enjoyed the view as his ball soared out to right field uh apparently didn't sit right with him so he sat and stewed on it for oh i don't know what seven months uh eight months uh until he got a chance to drill david ortiz in the back in the first inning of friday night's matchup Warnings are issued. John Farrell comes out, says, what the hell? He drilled our guy intentionally. It's clear there was intent there. He meant to hit him between the numbers. Um, why is he still in the game? Throw him out. So John Farrell making this case gets thrown out. Warnings go out to both sides. Now, in case you're not familiar, when the warning goes out, the next pitcher to hit somebody is gone. In the theory. Next, the next pitcher to intentionally hit someone is gone. Uh, fourth inning, Mike Carp is at the plate, and David Price comes up and in with the high heat and drills Mike Carp. Barely, you know. the, uh, the intent may or may not have been there. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. You can, you can debate it all you want. I don't, even as a Red Sox fan, I don't think it was intentional. However, to nip this situation in the butt, after these teams clear the benches and they're in, in each other's faces, Ortiz is trying, pretending to try to climb over the, the pile like he's going to fight David Price. David Price is pretending to be tough like he's not scared. I'm sure neither guy was scared, and they would have thrown some sissy haymakers uh, it would have been a, a overglorified slap fest, and in order to nip this in the butt, and this is where the umpiring crew drop the ball in this game. Throw David Price out, throw David Ortiz out. Now you've thrown out both agitators. Now nothing comes of this. Okay, they don't do this. Uh, instead, the bench coach for the Red Sox now was ejected. He was the acting manager after John Farrell was ejected. So now we're counting the tally. David Price has hit two batters, and two Red Sox coaches are thrown from the game. 
This is in Fenway, which blew my mind. That's, it's not like yeah. this is a Tampa game. Hello, what happened to home cooking? Yeah. Anyway, so fast forward to the sixth inning, and you have uh, Brandon Workman. The intent clearly was there. Even as a Red Sox fan, I will say he was trying to drill him in the numbers. Who did he throw at? He threw, well, Evan Longoria comes up. Yeah. And star this versus is, this star. Is, Yes, this you is how our star, the whole baseball thing works. Yes. Yeah. The whole baseball thing is you drill our guy, we drill your guy. Um, he was clearly trying to hit him in the numbers. This is after the skies have opened and there's plenty of rain to be had. Uh, we're basically you know, playing in a pool at this point. Um, ball gets away from him. I don't think he was trying to hit him in the head. I definitely think he was trying to hit him. Brandon Workman gets tossed. Okay. Then you have David Price now has drilled two batters. uh, Still pitching. Pitched through the seventh inning. Brandon Workman tried and failed to hit one batter. He's gone. You've got two Red Sox coaches gone. And now, come out today, Brandon Workman's the only person in all of this that's suspended. Suspended six games. Yeah, six games and some money, too. How the hell does this work? I, and this, this is this is where I set off on this rant. Okay, number one, David Price, you choked on the big one in game two when your team needed you most. That's not David Ortiz's fault. That's not Dustin Pedroia's fault. That's not Mike Karp's fault. That's not Joe Madden's fault. That's not your shitty dog's fault. That's your fault. If you don't want David Ortiz to stare at the ball as it soars out in the right field, don't serve up the home run. You don't, It's like touchdown celebrations in the NFL. If you don't want the guy dancing in your end zone, you know, doing the salsa or whatever, don't let him score. If you're a pitcher and you don't want the guy to stare at the ball as it flies into the outfield, don't give up the home run, period. To let this stew for seven months and drill the guy the first chance you get it it's a sissy move okay MLB dropped the ball by not this he's the center of this whole thing quite frankly if David Price never hits David Ortiz none of this happens you don't have Brandon Workman throwing at Evan Longoria you don't have him nearly taking his head off with a pitch if you suspend Brandon Workman for not hitting anybody, how is David Price, how is he not suspended? It makes literally no sense. The person at the center of this all is sees no repercussions whatsoever. He's the one that got this ball kicking. How does he not get punished? It just, it baffles me. And now, because MLB has failed to punish him or David Ortiz he could even merit a fine in all this anyway because he can't stop talking um, what they've done now is this is a situation that's going to boil over the next time they play a few, Price comes up. next time he faces David Ortiz does it go at him again I don't think he will because I think he's scared I don't think he'll approach that situation but now the next time they play do one of the Red Sox pitchers go after Longoria or Will Myers or any of the other Rays 
stars. Any of those dreamy bastards. You know, so this, this, what they've done is they've taken a situation that they could have killed off right here at the front. Kick David Ortiz and David Price out in the fourth inning, and this stuff doesn't just boil over and further boil over and further boil over. It's done. Period. So, I, to me, it just, it makes no sense. Totally preventable. It is. Exactly. It's totally preventable. But now we're going to see it. It's going to... All season. We're, while Probably we're battling for last place. If if the Rays can pull out of their nosedive of eight games in a row, um, I think the last team they beat was the Red Sox. Yes. Yes, it is. Yep, that was part of our 10-game losing streak, <laughs> which right. and that's turned around and became a seven-game kick, winning streak. Kicked so. off the Rays' seven- or eight-game losing streak now. So, uh, bless their hearts. This is kind of like what I feel like this is their, their time of the season. They just kind of relax and... Don't worry about, you know, scoring runs or, you know, being productive, those kind of well, things. And I guess what, what might kill off a little bit of this rivalry is that uh, David Price will likely be traded this summer uh, if the Rays don't get the crap together anytime soon. So then, you know, he can throw at David Ortiz with another team. Yeah, the Yankees. Uh, probably pick him you up. You know, and, and maybe he can go suck in the postseason with somebody else. How about that? All right. Um, I also wanted to get into uh, some of the Stanley Cup that's coming up. We finally got the matchup uh, for the Stanley Cup. Um, and I don't know a lot about hockey, but I do know that the Kings are playing the Rangers. Uh, and I know that those are two of the biggest markets in the United States. And so uh, that's about all I got for uh, Stanley Cup. But Billy, you got any uh, any predictions uh, on who you think's going to win or... Uh, what do you think it's going to turn out to look like? Uh, yeah, I guess I'll I'll be the expert, um, you know the uh, the couch expert here. Uh, like you said, it is it's uh, New York versus Cali, old East Coast versus West Coast, uh, Biggie versus Pac, all that kind of stuff. Um, what we do have in this series is uh, top notch goaltending and I think that that pretty much goes for any Stanley Cup it's pretty hard to get that far if you don't have at least an above average goalie uh, but what you have here is two guys that you could make the case for being the top two goalies in the league there are plenty you know there's there's a few other goalies that you can make the case for uh, but right now they're sitting on top so we'll go ahead and, and make the case for them now and that would be uh, Hendrick Lundqvist with uh, New York and there's always been the question of whether he'd ever finally get over the hump and get to the Stanley Cup and uh, he's he's been helped by, by uh, Marty St. Louis and the boys this year uh, and then you got on the other side Jonathan Quick who he already has the championship pedigree you know he did this two years ago when the Kings just ran roughshod over everybody in front of them uh, I'm leaning towards uh, and my cousin's not going to like this uh, Jonathan, the Rangers fan, uh, but I do think the Kings win it. Uh, I don't think it'll be a quick series, only because the Kings just haven't had a quick series. I, I don't know if it's they get up and then they they lay back or what, but uh, I do think it'll go six. Um, as far as the Con Smythe, which if you're not familiar, that's that's the playoffs MVP. It's not just the final series, but obviously. You know, the team winning the cup usually ends up having that player on the team. Uh, 
it could pretty much be anybody for the Kings because they've been so well balanced. Uh, you've got Anze Kopitar, uh, Dustin Brown, Jeff Carter, um, even Drew Doughty uh, as a defenseman could end up taking the Conn Smythe. Um, it really it could just come down to who has the best series in the Cup Finals. Um, really, it could be any of them. But I do think I do think I, if I had to pick one, um, I would probably go with Jeff Carter, just because it seems like his line's been making the most noise in the postseason. Uh, and the reason I think the Kings win overall in Game Six uh, is they're just their forecheck is relentless. And if there's one thing you can say about hockey is the the less time you spend in your own zone, the better. And when you have a goalie like Jonathan Quick, if you're playing most of the game on the other end, he's stopping pretty much everything already as it is. So if you know you're living on the other team's defensive zone, you it's just that's the winning formula. Uh, and the Kings do it pretty much better than anybody. Uh, I would say I think the Blackhawks, uh, they beat them last year in the Western Conference Finals. I would almost call that a fluke, even though it was a five-game series and Chicago ended up winning the Cup. Uh, the Kings just, they seem to be built for the postseason. And the one thing is they just don't die. I, I don't know how many times Chicago was up two goals in the series, and the Kings just kept coming back and kept coming back. And in the first round, they were down 3-0, and they kept coming back and kept coming back. And then against the Ducks, they were down 3-2 and just kept coming back and kept coming back. So I just don't think, and this is not to slight the Rangers because I think they're a pretty good team. I just don't think they have what what it takes to put that final kill shot on the Kings. And and I think that's that's what ends up putting the Kings over top is they'll be able to put that kill shot on. They're one of those teams where their defense sets up their offense, and if you know you get up, if you get down two goals to them. And you got to open things up. They just turn it around and they just feast on you. So I think that'll cause problems for the Rangers. So you're taking the Kings in six. That I am. I am. My completely ignorant and uneducated uh, prediction is uh, the Rangers, uh, and I only say that because um, Marty Saint Louis is on that team. And he happens to know my mother personally because he used to frequent her Starbucks that she works at. So um, I'm going to take the Rangers. Fair enough. And uh, the Mind Kemp or whatever you called it uh, award. Con Smythe. Con Smythe. Thank you. <laughs> Mind Kemp. What was that? That was Hitler's book. Um, it's going to go to Marty St. Louis for scoring 15 goals. So Very realistic. I uh, like it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to get into the NBA Finals, and there were some interesting uh, changes for the Finals this year, uh, and also s- the two teams are going to be the same. So we're looking at the Heat and uh, the Spurs, um, and there's a new playoff uh, format. So like the you know the way they roll roll the games uh, is new. Um, Billy, I wanted to get your take. I know you're a Heat fan, um, and you were a Heat fan before the Big Three. I remember that. Um, Absolutely. You were back, you know, in the uh, Alonzo morning uh, years. Um, back when uh, P.J. Brown was body slamming Knicks in the crowd, yeah. <laughs> um, why do you think uh, America hates the the Miami Heat? 
Well, number one, there's this this uh, this thing where it's it's cool, I guess, if you will, to uh, to hate on LeBron, and it's for varying different reasons. Um, number one, there's a lot of people with the sour taste in their mouth with how he left Cleveland and all this and that. I think at some point people just need to get over it. Uh, but number two, uh, I think, I don't know if I would say jealousy, but to like, a degree it is. Like I, king of the hill you, kind of deal. Yeah, when you have the world's greatest player, there's going to be people who hate on him just because they don't have him on their team, so he can't be the greatest player in the league. Um, <laughs> I, I really, I, As I don't name think doesn't it's... rhyme with Michael Jordan. Yeah, I I don't think at this point there's anybody that touches what he does on the court. You know, he's he's the best player in the league. Um and I you know, there ESPN had the poll, you know, uh, who are you rooting for in the finals and the state of Florida was the only one that was blue and that was for the heat. Um I would be interested to see when Michael Jordan was playing uh, and the Bulls were in their prime, and they Going won the six titles title, in eight years. Yeah. I I would be interested to see what those polls would have looked like back then when uh, ESPN was running, you know, these internet polls on AOL dial-up. <laughs> right. uh, Mail in your vote today. You know, I I know I personally, uh, when the Jazz played the Bulls for the two straight years, I was pulling for the Jazz because it's the whole underdog thing. You know, people don't. People are naturally drawn to the underdog. Um, most people, anyway. It's it's the feel-good story. Plus, you know, at that point, Stockton and Malone had played however many years and still hadn't gotten a ring. Um, so some people rooted for him for that reason. And I think there's, to the same end, there's a lot of people that want to see Tim Duncan be able to go out with a championship. And I don't know that he, he would necessarily retire after this season, but I think if they did win, you know, he would have a reason to go out and go out as a champion, go out on top. Because, I mean, let's face it, him and Tony Parker and and Manu Ginobili are getting old. They're ready to draw Social Security. Yeah. So, you know, who says they have another run like this in them next year or the year beyond? So if he wins the title, I could see him, you know, riding off into the sunset. So I think there's there's that notion too. So, I mean, you really – you've got – any number of reasons that people just they want to see the heat fail and i i think the primary reason is because of the way they came together and they had the big talk right after they they kind of cheated by getting those three guys together in the in the whole not one not two not three not four not five not six and blah 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 blah, all that and people just take that too literally like they were excited you know, there's three of the league's best players are coming together. They're excited, and they want to bring a championship to Miami. So, you know, give it a rest. I um, I think it's I think it's it's cool to hate LeBron. I love LeBron. I liked him when he played, uh, in you know, in in Cleveland. And um, you know, I understand why he left Cleveland. Um, I love Dwayne Wade and I love Chris Bosh. So I think um, it's a great team. They look like they have a lot of fun. Um. I I I don't know why the the world hates them other than the same reason that they you know hate the Patriots or hate the Yankees or whatever. Um, now there is also a new 
format to the series. Um, yep. They're going to be playing, you know, uh, two two one one one. So two two games, and then they move to the two games, and then they go back and forth. Um, I kind of I kind of know what you're going to say, but Billy, who do you think that the favors being that San Antonio has home court advantage? They're going to get four games at home. Uh, who does that favor? Well, I think the big argument with the two three two the way they had been doing it for whatever reason they did it differently all the way up to the finals and then in the past uh you know it had been two two one 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 for the first three rounds and then you get to the finals and it's two three two and the argument against that is well if the team with home court advantage just happens to drop you know one of the first two games then the other team has a chance to win their three at home and be done and so the argument with this this new format is at least Game 5 would be back in their own house again. So if for whatever reason, say, the Heat take Game 2 and you've got a 1-1 split, well now the best the Heat can do is take 3-4 and four and go up 3-1 and San Antonio fans will still get to see at least one more game, you know, in their own house. What I do think it will do for the Heat is it gives them game six in Miami. So if they're to a point either where they're down 3-2 or they're up 3-2, they've got that game in Miami where they're just on a different level. Right. I, they they seem to play, you know, two or three levels higher. Lights out. And uh, so I think it would help them for game six, whether they're ahead or they're behind, because you can almost – you can almost rest assured they're going to win game six at home. Um, if you remember last year, they were they were down 3-2 going home. And in game six, you know, it was that was the helter-skelter game. They were, they were down big, and they came all the way back. And then Ray Allen hits the three at the buzzer to tie it. They went in in overtime and, you know, do their thing in game seven. If game six last year wasn't in Miami. Yeah, they don't win that game. They'd probably go home. You know, that's probably it. So I think that'll help them this year that game six, generally in a lot of final series, that's the first chance somebody has to put somebody down. Um, in the finals, I I would have to look at the stats. I obviously didn't research it before we started talking about this, but I'd be interested to see how many times a team has gone up 3-1. I'd say it's a pretty good, pretty good assumption the game six, the vast majority of final series, whether it's NBA, World Series, or NHL, uh, game six is usually the first time somebody has a chance to close out. So uh, I think that that favors Miami because if they can get one, steal one in San Antonio to start, then you know you play those those next few games knowing that you would have a chance potentially to close out at home in game six. Uh, my prediction for the series will be, uh, I believe the Heat do take it in six. I think they split um, on the road. In, uh, I think they take game two. San Antonio won game one because, you know, this is, this is the matchup they wanted and they'll be amped up and Manu Ginobili will play his one big game in the finals and they'll go, oh, Manu's still got it. And then the next game he'll get shut down again, uh, just like last year. So I think they'll take game two. I want to say that they'll take three and four at home and then uh, lose five in San Antonio, come home in game six, 
and close it out in front of the home crowd. I am going to give... I'm going to take the Heat in six. Um, I agree. I just think that there's they're too much for the rickety bones of uh, San Antonio to keep up. Um, so... Uh, and I also think that the new playoff or the new finals series favors the Heat. I think that they probably aren't going to lose two in a row. They may lose one, um, but not two in a row. And I think if they don't lose two in a row, they are going to win this thing. Um, so, uh, I have my own rant I'd like to get into. Okay. Um, I work in an office. Um, believe it or not, I don't do this podcast for a living yet. And... Um, <laughs> Uh, I work in an office, and it's predominantly female, although I don't know that that has anything to do with my rant. Um, we have a break room, like most offices or places of work have. And in that break room, there is a microwave. Now, let me give you guys some advice here. Never cook fish in it. Ever. Don't, that just don't awful. do it. I don't care how healthy your tilapia is and how much lemon you squeeze over it. No one cares. <laughs> don't cook it in there. You stink up the whole office, and it's gross. And when I go in there to just, you know, warm up my Pop-Tart or something, it smells like, sorry, it smells like feet. Um, <laughs> and it's gross. Just don't do it. It's rude. Okay, cook your fish at home or eat it cold or don't eat fish in the office. Uh, number two in the microwave, uh, and this is pretty much the whole reason most people have a microwave, is for popcorn, okay? Learn how to cook it. Just just do it. Mess come up on, one. man. There's a popcorn button. Mess up one bag. You no, know, these dummies come in here with their little mini bag, and they push the popcorn button, and they come in, and they're like, ooh, why is this whole place smoking? What's on fire? It's your tiny little popcorn bag that cooked for three minutes, dummy. <laughs> so... <laughs> Don't burn uh, popcorn. Just we have that same problem. Everybody can, has it. There's our, the same idiot room, works in every single office. Oh, yeah. Our break room is down the hall from our desk. And you can smell it throughout the whole building when someone burns popcorn <laughs> Every in there. time. And it's the same person every time. Yep. You don't oh, go, oh, so-and-so Cindy. burned the popcorn again. Yep. Yeah. God, so. don't. it's not that hard. If you got the little mini bag... Stick around. Don't hit the button and walk away. <laughs> right, just Because you know you're going to have less time. When it stops when it stops popping, go ahead and stop it. Take it out yeah. and eat it. Cram it in your fat face. Go back to your <laughs> desk with your healthy snack. So, don't cook fish in the microwave. Learn how to cook popcorn. <laughs> that sounds terrible. Why would... I know. <laughs> of all things to put in a microwave, why would you... If it's not microwavable fish sticks, I don't see <laughs> I any reason... Exactly. I don't see no any reason. What your salmon, your tilapia? Yeah, don't stick your red grouper your in left, there. Yeah, stupid. Your leftover salmon is not working in the microwave. Okay. Gross. It's That's horrible. Awful. So um, do that, and your workplace will be happy. And when you go into your break room and it smells like moldy feet, uh, think of me, because <laughs> some idiot cooked fish in there. Um, <laughs> the other. Um, the other thing we wanted to get into was uh, was movie sequels. Um, Billy and I actually had a chance to hang out this weekend, and we were kind of were chatting about the podcast like we tend to do. Um, and we decided we would come up with some movie sequels that were better than the original. Now, most of the time, uh, your movie sequels are not as good as the original. Sometimes they're so bad that I don't even want to watch the original anymore because it's just going to remind me of your terrible sequel. Yeah, they're usually a letdown. In a lot of cases. Um, and, and in these days, there's so many sequels because 
nobody has anything original anymore. They're all reboots and remakes and sequels. Um, so we decided we would come up with a list of uh, sequels we like better. So, Billy, I'm going to let you start off here. Why don't you, uh, or maybe we can go back and forth. Um, what's your, uh, what's one of the ones on your list? I don't know if you really have them in order or anything. Okay, well, uh, I just came up with one actually on the fly, but I'll get to that towards okay. the end. Okay. If I remember with my short attention span. <laughs> Um, I know we had discussed earlier um, not maybe necessarily using movies that have three or four or five in a series, but I do what I want, so some of those are going to be on my list. You're the B of BDSM. Exactly. Uh, But to start off, we'll go with uh, one that we actually, what actually kind of spurred this conversation uh, over the weekend, and that was uh, Bad Boys 2. Also on my list. Starring... Starring Martin Lawrence and uh, and Will Smith, uh, I remember watching the first one. And I think when I when I caught it as a youth, uh, it was actually on cable TV, so it might have been toned down a little bit. But I I also have it on DVD. Let's be real, um, I do have the uncensored version. <laughs> uh, the Michael Bay director's cut. To me, Bad Boys Two was like bad boys on steroids like it just it was bigger better faster sexier everything about it was funnier everything about it i think they had taken the back and forth that they had in the first one and i don't know if they just maybe had better chemistry because of it but it just i mean it seemed like they were brothers they were inseparable you know the way they fed off each other great movie i loved it uh there are scenes i could watch that movie and i could pick it up in the last 10 minutes or i could catch it in the opening credits and be sucked into it um it's a great movie it might even be in my dvd player in the bedroom right now um i have the a movie i'd like to mention uh terminator 2 okay uh, i could agree with that fantastic sequel the first one was average the first terminator average second terminator out of control, good. Absolutely. And um, then T3 was, yeah. Meh. So, yeah. <laughs> um, what's your next one, Billy? I will go, um, and this is where I start breaking your stupid rules. <laughs> do what I want. Okay. Because I'm a man, I'm 40. <laughs> uh, as Mike Gundy so eloquently put it. Uh, Die Hard 3. Uh, Which one was that? That was the one with Samuel L. Jackson. Oh, yeah, that's a great in one. In New York City. Yeah. Uh, to me, the first movie was really good. It was a fantastic movie. Uh, second Die Hard was so-so. If it comes on on TNT, you know, I'll <laughs> right. watch it as I'm flipping back and forth yeah. with something. But Die Hard 3, I, it comes on TV. I'm I'm watching it. It's that simple. It's just, uh, the, I don't know. Sam, it was, Sam me, Jackson. It's better. Yeah, Samuel L. Jackson's in yeah. it. You know, Bruce Willis is at his... At his finest in that. And, and Stacy, there's your Bruce Willis reference by Billy. Yeah, dig it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I just, I feel like Die Hard 3 was, was, and there's been two more since then, you know, that they're trying to milk money out of, but uh, I I'll feel like Die Hard 3 was, was the peak of that mountain. How about this one, Billy? Um, what do you think about, and this is going to show uh, kind of, I have a couple in here that look like uh, our James Cameron movies, The Aliens. Mm-hmm. The second okay. Alien movie. This is the one with uh, the the Marines that come in and come to this outpost that's infested. Um, I thought it was great because you get more Alien 
and it comes with guns and uh, marines, male and female. So uh, I'm gonna go with Aliens. I'll be honest with you, Better the only aliens. aliens, the only Aliens movie I've seen all the way through is uh, Aliens versus Predator. So right. I don't know what that says about me. <laughs> What's your next movie? Um, again, uh, playing by my own rules because. What's life if you're not playing by your own rules? Mm-hmm. Um, I've got Rocky Four, and you know we touched on this, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, a couple Actually, episodes back with our top sports movies. Uh, Rocky Four is the pinnacle of Rocky movies. Uh, the best plot, I think. Uh, I would say best acting, but I mean, let's be real. Uh, you know, it's got USA versus Russia and uh, Rocky versus the big. Android machine. They they found a way to take a champion and make him the underdog, and uh, it's got that whole uh, that whole U.S. Russia Cold War. It's fun to hate Russia, right? Yeah, absolutely, still is. Um, I've got. I'm gonna rattle through two of them. Um, I also I have Rocky Two because uh, I was playing by my rules and going with the immediate sequel to Rocky One, which I enjoyed. Um. But the next one, I'm going to blow your mind here, uh, Batman the Dark Knight. Oh, That movie was fantastic. The first one was good. The second one yes. was out of control good. Heath Ledger killed it as the Joker. Um, really? Christian Bale was okay as Batman, but the I feel like the technology was better in that movie, the action was better, um, and Heath Ledger as the Joker was fantastic. Well, I'm going to call you a bastard because that was actually. <laughs> Do I steal uh, your next one? That was number four on my list there. <laughs> uh, the Dark Knight. Uh, Batman Begins was a pretty solid movie. Um, I think the one thing that drove people to the theaters more than anything with The Dark Knight was, you know, Heath Ledger had gotten so into this role that, you know, he ended up needing sleep medications and stuff and, and OD'd and you know, died in his apartment as a result of having played the Joker and been so sick and twisted in this role. I, it lived up to the hype as far as I'm concerned. I, that was probably his finest performance, you know, and I won't say I'm a, uh, I was a Heath Ledger fanboy, but I was familiar with his work. I've seen sure. him in a few things. Brokeback I wasn't, Yeah, I didn't see that one, but... <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't sure how he would be as a Joker when they originally cast him, um, but I was intrigued when it happened when he he passed away, you know, OD'd or whatever. And uh, I was intrigued by the fact that he could be so into this this role and it could be so twisted that it affected the way he slept in real life. Uh, but he nailed it. I mean, he he really did. I could see why someone would have nightmares playing that role. Uh, the only thing I can I can really say negative about uh, the Dark Knight is the way Christian Bale overacted, you know, killing the Bruce Wayne voice for Batman. I think he kind of overdid it with like that and all that crap. I just yeah. I think he overdid that. But uh, other than that, I mean, it, it was it was a fantastic movie, and to me, it was actually the best out of the three. And you know, I liked all three. I did too. I liked. Um now, um, I also have, this is the last one on my list, um, Lord of the Rings, uh, the second one, The Two Towers. Um, yeah. The first one was kind of quiet, and there was a lot of walking. 
Um, yeah, the second that was a, one, that an kind easy of, way for the sequel to be better. <laughs> <laughs> the second one, um, they picked up, and uh, you know there was some fighting, and I I thought that was um, much better than I, the first one. So. I feel like if they had even just bumped up to a light jog in the second movie, <laughs> right. it would have been better. Uh, and this this uh, this last one I have may catch a little off guard. Uh, being a father of a toddler. <laughs> I'm going to have to go the animated route. Um, and there's actually a pair of them. And there's, it's two movies or two franchises I've seen quite a bit of over the last 12 months. And that would be uh, Despicable Me and the Monsters movies. Um, Despicable Me 2, I don't know what it is. I just, I can tolerate seeing that six times a week more than the original. <laughs> And I feel like Monsters University was, it was just a, it was a good movie. It was, it was a fun movie, uh, even for me as an adult and, you know, especially, uh, Little Billy. So I haven't seen either one, so I will have to see about finding them on demand, if you know what I mean. Well, I have Blu-ray for, uh, for both Monsters, if you like. Okay. And I think that's about all we have time for this week. I mean, we ran a little bit over, but I think it was worth it. I think it was, uh, I had a good time. And uh, I'm going to leave you guys with a quote. Uh, this is by uh, Dwayne Carter Jr. Uh, Real G's move in silence, like lasagna. And before we go, before we go, uh, I just have, based on that quote, I have, I have a sweet joke I found. Okay. Uh, what is Little Wayne's favorite pizza? I don't know. What is it? It's uh, Little Seizures. <laughs> I'll be here all week, guys. <laughs> See you guys next week. Hey, thanks for tuning in, and uh, we'll catch you guys next week. <laughs>